about the deliciousness of it. And because what we've been talking about is the quantum manifestation process, it's understanding that, yes, you desire it, that's the feeling in your heart, right? You vision it, but by even what it feels like to have that thing. So it's not just any old mango now, it's actually a delicious Exactly. So, um, that was very powerful. Thank you. What I want to do, because we obviously have to do our thing in our way, right? So what me and Michelle would like you to do is in the comment box, um, and also for yourself, just think about one thing that you really, really desire, right? What do you really desire? No censoring, no, remember all of the limiting beliefs, cancel, cancel, delete, delete. You can have anything that you want, right? What is it that you really desire in your life? Because when we do our abundance, when we do our next dance, I want you to, number one, be seeing yourself actually having that thing, enjoying that experience. Remember we said in the first sessions, it's not just intentions. You want to have experiences. You are here to experience. And even when you say the word, right, experience, it's like you're already embodying it. So what would you like to experience, right? And the other thing, is what kind of world would you like to exist in? Because we are in a time right now where there's so much chaos and things going on in the world, but what kind of world would you like to exist in? Because really we are creating our reality and we have the power through our visualization to collectively create a better world. Our mind has such a powerful impact on our reality. Hence why there are so much agendas towards helping, trying to control our mind, right? So when we understand that the power to visualize is what actually materializes things, we realize that even if we spend a few moments each day visualizing the kind of world that we want to live in, visualizing the kind of experiences that we want to experience in the knowing that we're actually activating that reality right in this now, then we realize that we are a very integral part of changing our world. We don't have to wait for people and messiahs and people to change our world. We can all change our world and the collective world each and every day by just taking a few moments and anchoring our thoughts with our hearts and really experiencing the deliciousness of the reality that we are trying to create, right? Uh, Joan says, I really, really want, <laughs> I really, really, really want to be traveling around Europe and the UK. Yes, it is so. Why not? Right? Andrea says, freedom of movement for all. Yes, why not? Right? Sophia says, I would love to live in a cute cottage in the mountains. I'm right there with you. I can feel it. And I saw your cat. So I'm sure the cat will be there as well. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This is amazing. Elaine says, I desire my own land and my family as a self-sustaining community and for my spiritual business to grow. And shame, because many of us have visions that are in alignment, right? And when you sometimes have your vision, you might think, well, that's a bit too big for me to create on my own. But when you realize that there are other like-minded beings who are thinking in the same way as you, you realize that it's not such a strange thought that you're having. You're having. And actually, actually, it means that it's most likely to happen because many of you are on that frequency. So that also gives you the ability to really either work together with others or to give you that push to say, you know what, I can do this. 
Claire Carter says, I want to experience traveling the world and visiting all the sacred sites with my family. Full financial um, from, oops, got back on a minute. Give it back. And I want to stay as long as we want, staying in beautiful accommodation and hotels and living life. Yes! Do you know how rich? How God's been richness in that already, right? And how many of us want to have that too? And the point is, we can have it. We have been told a lie that we have to believe it till we see it. No, we are creators. We create it and then we see it. We create it and then we see it. And that's why when we have negative Ooh, thoughts, when we allow hot. things to What's take us off of our path and we see hot. things go that wrong, we're like, yeah. why is this happening? I just plugged it into my phone and it just burnt my finger. perception of your reality. How many of us have had ideas about things and somebody has said to us, ah, oh, that's not going to happen. And you've now started to take that on and think to yourself, well, maybe it's going to be harder than I thought. You're allowing somebody else to create your reality. And you have the power to create your own reality. And visualization is one of the most powerful tools that you can have, right? The man who is in control of his mind, the woman who is in control of his mind is, is a creator, can create anything, right? We are so powerful that even the negative energies that are pushed towards us, negative information, we now manifest it into our reality through that aligning with that, aligning with that right? When you hear something, you start visualizing about what could go wrong, or your creative fears, not knowing that you are creating that in this moment. So really, I want you to also focus on honing on the importance of taking control of your mind. And it doesn't have to be a rigid thing. Doing these practices each and every day put you in a vibration of a direct communication with yourself and that sustaining force that's in you. We've been programmed out of our childhoodness. But once we remain children, that's where the real power starts. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's Wendy Cherry of the Sanctuary Radio Show. So welcome to the Sanctuary Radio Show. As you know, whenever I start my live, I always like to share the live with my page. So if you give me a chance, I'm going to share the live and then we'll get right into it. And just a, a housekeeping note, um, I have, in the building I'm in in my office, there's construction. The construction did not start really, really in earnest until just now. So please just bear with me as we uh, move through this and we'll get right to it. This is a super um, important topic, especially at this time during COVID. And again, as you know, the um, Sanctuary Radio Show Summer School was all about us gathering our tools for the fall coronavirus. Now, I do want to clarify that. I'm not necessarily saying that the second wave will be an increase in, uh, in uh, people catching it. It might be. But what I do know is that there will be more restrictions placed on us. That's what I'm clear on. Regardless, there will be more restrictions. So that is what I am helping us gather our tools for, both emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So today, my guest is Uriah Israel, and he is a farmer, a publisher, a printer, and he has a lot of stuff going on. 
So <laughs> I am, uh, welcome, and I would like for you to introduce yourself to the guests. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank um, Wendy for all the work that you're doing and inviting me to the show. Um, there's so much, so much going on, a lot of uncertainty happening in today in America and around the world. Um, you know, we have this COVID situation happening. We have, um, many people might not know it, but there's a gigantic locust swarm on three different continents right now, devouring a lot of food, a lot of crops, people destroying people's livelihoods. Oh, nice. um, it's, it's in South America, it's in the Middle East, and it's also in Europe right now. And I think, I'm pretty sure it's in um, some parts of Asia. This is that's serious for, it started, I think, in the Middle East and ended up going into the Western, um, Eastern Africa. And then it started going up in Italy. And for some, I don't know how it jumped over the ocean, but it's now in um, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay. And so this is a gigantic locust swarm. On top of that, we've had um, uh, severe weather going up the East Coast. Yeah. Um, you know, I can imagine that's disrupted more, um, you know, food security, trucking, grocery stores, and all that. And my, yeah. so my bottom line in saying all that is that um, we're dealing with a situation where food is not as secure as it used to be. Okay. Um, we're going into supermarkets and not finding the groceries that we normally would find. Um, we, we're, they're not even taking stuff out of the boxes anymore. They're kind of like putting them up on with cases, right in the um, right in the uh, cardboard boxes. And you know, we're also noticing too um, inflation major inflation happening with the food what you what normally maybe at the beginning of the year cost one thing now it's like almost 25 cents more and so uh, with all that being said many people are beginning to um plant their own gardens um uh you know storing food hoarding as they say uh, but you want to make sure that you do have food just in case something happens yeah. and so um i believe in food security my father was a sharecropper from Chattanooga, Tennessee, a small okay. town called Udawa. And I am a proud um, son of a sharecropper. And they migrated to Boston, Massachusetts in the early 50s. And so he has this gigantic urban farm um, right in the heart of Roxbury of, of, um, of Boston. And so like I used to think that everybody was growing their own food because we had so much of it. But then right. I found out as I grew older that many people didn't, didn't know how to grow food. Right. Um, they kind of depended on Mr. Kroger and Star Market and um, what else, Publix. And so we have to, um, for some reason, we've kind of be begin to really depend on um, other nations and corporations for our food. And I think in the long run, that's going to hurt us big time. And wow. so um, I began, I took it upon myself to um, sharpen my skills and also to um, um, share what I knew with people. And I think it's super important that we, um, you know, we get, we get ready as a community because um, a storm is coming. Wow. So let me stop you there and unpack a few of the things you said. Mm -hmm. So like you, well, for myself, I grew up in the suburbs, but mm -hmm. in the summer times and any other time we were out of school, we would go to the Eastern shore of Virginia with our grandparents yes, and they lived on a, field with cucumbers and all these different things. And my grandfather and his brothers were long distance hauling truckers of produce. Wow. So there was always peaches and watermelon and 
uh, cucumbers and all these things around me as a child. And um, probably when I was about six or seven, one morning, my grandparents used to hire people to come and, you know, harvest the, the garden, I guess, harvest the fields. And I call myself going out. And like, you got a certain amount for a bushel, right? A certain amount for a half bushel. And I go out there with my little tender New Jersey fingers, right? <laughs> um, pick some cucumbers and I got a rude awakening. But what I did know for myself is that I didn't want to do that. Mm. I did not want to be out in those fields burning hot. And I, and I realized in, in my own self that the people who were out in the fields weren't necessarily allowed to run back and forth in the house and have lemonade and fan and go to the bathroom. Like <laughs> I knew that. So I said, I don't want to do that. Mm. Moving forward, I kind of regret not being so interested because of times like this, you know what I mean? Um, so for all of you who are watching, I, I was a student in Uriah's last class um, on how to grow my own food. I see a lot of my friends on Facebook growing their gardens and all those things. So I was like, I can go to BJ's or I can go to any grocery store here in the Washington DC metro area. And I'm noticing that the shelves are a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. And I'm mm -hmm. noticing that when I used to pay a dollar per mango or a dollar per whatever, they like a dollar 49 now. And the funniest thing was my daughter liked Chipotle. She wanted to go. So we went to Chipotle and she was ordering her food and she was so upset that the price was 70 cents. Like she was aware. Mm. That whatever she usually gets was way more expensive. So can you share with us exactly what food insecurity is and what does it look like for a middle class? What can it look like for a middle class person who is not paying attention at all? Well, well, you just, you kind of nailed it right there. Um, not being able to buy the food that you would normally buy, you know, when you, you know, when everything was going good, I want to pull it, going to the supermarket and just not being able to get what you normally would get from right. a supermarket. I remember like living in Boston during this, like, like you knew a snowstorm was coming. And so everybody would rush to the supermarket and buy all kinds of milk and bread and everything. And then like, if you got there too late, it was already wiped out, you would go back home. And then later on the trucks would come in and replenish. Um, but Today, uh, right, right, um, right, let me see, January, February, March, April, about, about April, you begin to notice um, the shelves were not full anymore for yeah. some reason. The trucks had stopped rolling. Um, they were, the farmers were actually tilling over their crops, like uh, thousands of acres of um, crops was just rolled uh, plowed over. Um, you also heard in the news. Why did they, they do that, though? Why did they plow over their crops? Well, they were saying that um, the workers, the, everything came to a standstill based upon the uh, pandemic. And they said that it was um, unsafe for those farmers, to, uh, the, 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 the pickers, or like you said, they cut migrant workers even. Everything stopped for some reason. The, trucking, the trucks were not moving. Um, and so, like, food just came to a standstill. Okay. Um, they were killing livestock. They, they had the um, call livestock. Um, pigs, chickens, uh, um, beef, they just killed them. And, and so people, and so in the same time, you come to the big city, you look down the aisle and you see empty shelves where meat used to be. I remember standing um, at, um, in the Kroger's and there was a guy standing there with his son in the carriage 
and he was looking. He was just like shaking his head, like, "Where's all the, where's all the, um, the, the bacon and salami and bologna, whatever he was gonna buy?" And I was like, kind of looking at him, like he's completely unaware that there's a crisis happening. And yeah. so, um, you know, I just, you know, I just kind of have my finger on the pulse of what's going on. And so, um, I know, I know uh, several truckers, and they were saying like they were. The, remember, the price of gas went so low that um, it was almost they would rather you not drive a truck than to drive it because you would be losing money uh, buying gas. And so he was telling me, he said, I'm stuck in Texas. I can't move. Um, we're, we're really at a standstill. And so that's what happened around the whole country. Everything became at a standstill. And so therefore, um, and they had some bizarre reasons for, for not allowing the food to flow. Um, all I got to say, <laughs> yeah, see, so like I just, I'm just, so at that point, I said, you know something, I think I need to double my garden production, what I'm doing here. And then several people reached out to me about like classes. And next thing you know, I, I, you know, I kind of just you know, threw it out there. And then I had one group and another group and, and everybody was just all over the country. Right. And so um, food insecurity, going back to that. Also, too, consider this, you may have worked at a restaurant or wherever you worked at. Now you don't have the money that you normally had. Um, try here in Atlanta, try going out to eat after eight o'clock. There's nothing open. Every, all the restaurants, like, like you know, a lot, of, a lot of those mom and pop restaurants that we love so much, closed their doors. Yeah. Um, you could only do takeout. You couldn't sit down and eat. You, you know, like everything kind of slowed down a great deal. All of that's part of the insecurity that we're dealing with. Um, so, so I, you know, but this also has a silver lining. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is that this forced people to say, "Man, I need to. I can slow down. I don't have to punch the clock anymore. I can work from home, and now I have to cook meals. I can. I, I really would like to grow some um, tomatoes myself. Let's see if I can do this." And so um, that's what happened. People began to, um, I know my family, my family was already making a lot of things from scratch, but now they've kind of like doubled what they're doing. And so um, with all that being said, food insecurity, this, this, this pandemic is opening a door of opportunity for people who um, should be growing and have a little bit of knowledge. And if you were curious, now's the time to do it. Don't wait to, um, you know, don't wait, you know, start saving seed, planting. Um, I think that um, it's, it's crucial that we uh, uh, grab hold of this and run while we can. Okay, so I, I do want to talk about that for a second and welcome everybody who's joining me. And please excuse the banging because they're just right here and they're banging. Um, so you talked about seeds. So it's funny because since I'm taking your class, <laughs> I saved my seeds. So I have my apple here that I ate. And at some point, I'm going to get around to picking the seeds out and putting them on a piece of paper or a napkin to dry them. Yes. And so I've had like a whole bag of apples. And that's what I've been doing over the last few that I've had these organic apples. I buy everything organic. Yeah. And so I try to hope that that's what it is. You yeah. know. <laughs> and this is my watermelon juice that I had. I bought a, a seeded watermelon the other day. So we've been eating it. I've been saving the seeds. But then I also eat the seeds because they're good for magnesium and I'm magnesium deficient. Yeah. So there are different uses. You know how when they say people use the whole animal or the yes. whole whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, so can you tell us um, a few tips? So what I learned 
very, very quickly before I put you on, before I go on mute and I let you explain, is that when you're wanting to grow, so I live in a, in a building, but I have awesome Southern exposure. Mm. So I was always like, I don't have a yard. I don't have a field next to my house like my grandparents did. Yeah. How can I grow food? Yeah. So can you talk about the different ways that people can grow food from a sill, from a balcony, from a deck, and then if you have a yard? And let's talk about what those different opportunities look like. Okay, uh, uh, great question. So um, like you said, in, in your, you made it, made it really clear during the class that, you know, you had like southeastern exposure, the sunlight, yeah, excellent sunlight. And so if you have a porch or, or a balcony and it has that type of sunlight, you can put different planters outside, you know, on this porch, you can, you know, use um, plant, planting bags. They have these bags that you could actually put soil in and grow and grow crops. They're very inexpensive. And then also too, um, you know, use what you have. Um, I like George Washington Carver was a, um, big proponent of uh, recycling and using what we have. So we go out, we buy these um, jugs of water, um, apple juice, uh, you know, highfalutin apple juice and water, like distilled. So, so now instead of tossing those out, you take a something, uh, maybe a box cutter and cutting around that and making yourself planters. Like you can have four or five of those instead of buying these pretty uh, planters that go on your rail. You can put these in planters, maybe, you know, you know um, on a stoop or just put them right on the floor and let them um, be used as planting pots. Um, you're, we're coming into a cool season now. Okay, we're starting to change seasons. Okay, uh, we're in the middle of August and probably like maybe in about a month, we're going to start turning the corner for cool season crops. And what I mean by that are your brassicas and your root crops, your leafy greens. Um, these are your, this is what everybody wants, is leafy greens. I want that kale, spinach, arugula, uh, 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 cabbage. Um, so, so now's an opportunity to do that. As the sun, we talk, we talk about the southeastern sunlight, right? So the sun comes up in the east. Now, therefore, at the change of seasons, the sun is going to lower. It's going to be lower in the horizon. Now you're going to see that it's not as high as it used to be. It's not going to be as warm. So now this is the perfect time for those leafy greens to be grown. You know, and this, you know, like you can sprout them indoors. Um, I have a little grow tray right now. My daughter started, you know, um, but um, those, those, those uh, cabbages and leafy greens, a lot of them sprout really, really quickly. And so like you can, you know, um, like, like I told you in the class, you know, seeds need a lot of moisture to germinate. They have to absorb a lot of water and that, that um, activates those enzymes within that seed. The seed is a living being, okay? It's not just a it's not just some dust or a rock hard little piece of pebble, but it's alive. And so once you add that water to it, you are telling it it's time to grow. The enzymes begin to activate and therefore it, it will start, it will, it will start growing. So your job is to place it into a pot, get some a potting mix. Um, there's different things you can purchase, but also too, there's um, different things you can make and um, make your own blend. But you, um, but on that balcony, you can grow plenty of food. Um, I know my yard. I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a farmer. I'm a gardener. I don't have <laughs> one, one of these days. But um, during, uh, let me see, April, May, June, we ate every day from our garden leafy greens. In my space, I would. I would tell you it's not that big, and but I just happen to know. Um, just just getting in tune with the seasons and what can grow where it can grow 
and just being in time with the um, in line with the time of the planet. And that's what we we've kind of lost that as a group. We've kind of lost that. So that's what I want to talk about because people, like you said, now is the time for the cold, uh, the, the leafy greens and the cold weather vegetables. Mm. So my sister, uh, shout out to Cher, my sister and her <laughs> husband, um, they grew over the this pandemic. That's been sort of like their bonding thing and they yeah. have some really cool things. Mm. So they were sharing that with us and I think that was cool. My mom has been a composter for many years. Wow. Um, so I, I know what that looks like. Mm. But you're talking about, okay, now I lost my, oh, the seasons. Mm. We're going into fall, fall and winter, depending on where you are in the United States. Yes. You taught me that. The yes. zone and, you know, is that the proper term? The zone that yeah, you're you, in? We, 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 you have something called the USDA hardiness zone map. Yeah. If you, if you like put in your zip code and type in USDA hardiness zone map, it will tell you what zone you are in. And hardiness means um, how cold will it get in your region, where you live, how cold will it get? And that will determine what you can really grow. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I, can, I can grow a banana plant, but it won't produce fruit because the growing season is not as long as it needs to be. So like as you go further in, in the south, um, to the south of um, Atlanta, maybe Savannah, um, um, further down to the border of Georgia and Florida, you probably can grow bananas, okay, and palms, a lot of palm trees down there. But here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, you can't, you're not going to be able to grow um, uh, mangoes or uh, bananas and some other tropical fruit. But there are still plenty of things that you can grow, okay? Yeah. So I think that the best thing to do is to... Um, somebody gave a resource the other day. It may have been you, but I thought it was one of the fellow students about maybe contacting your extension office oh, or yeah. figuring out what is the planting season yes. for what you're interested in in your zone. So I'm here in the Washington, D.C. area. I come to realize that's a 6A7 zone. Okay. So yeah. on the back of my packets of seeds that I've been buying, I mm. look for that zone and then I can see when I'm supposed to be planting those things. Yes. So even though sometimes um, it's not the time, as long as I have the seed, then mm. I can do it the next time. Because can you talk to us about how seeds were disappearing over this time? Ooh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you went there. I might do want to say this though, um, real quick. That was me who mentioned the extension office. Um, you, you definitely want to just plug, there's a ton of resources online. The extension offices are one place that has a lot of information. They have schedules when to plant certain, certain things, okay? Um, I do want to say that George Washington Carver was an extension uh, um, agent, and he would go out into the community and share with his fellow farmers what to grow, different techniques, so that all that's online. Now, during this pandemic, now one of the silver linings of this is people not meeting in person, so they're offering classes online. So you can check out different things online for free. I think some of them, I know that in the past, they used to use different things you had to pay for. But a lot of things are available right now um, online. Uh, but now going back to the seeds, wow, seeds, that's a huge um, um, issue. And like we want to get into a habit of saving our seeds. But at the, um, let me see, January, maybe like in April, you know, you've seen different headlines that said seeds are the new toilet paper. 
Remember, there was a run on toilet paper. Now, even um, all of the um, feed and seed supply places, they were running out of seeds because people were making a run on those seeds because they know that seeds, if you have seeds, and somewhere in the future, you can grow food. Okay, um, this kind of, when you go back until, uh, let me see, the book of Genesis, you talk about Joseph. Joseph saved seeds. You know, he knew that it was a famine coming. So he was able to prepare for that. So we have to be wise and say like, okay, let me start saving these apple seeds and these watermelon seeds and um, um, maybe go to, go to Walmart or Home Depot and really um, say, hey, let me see what's over here and, and take a look at them. And, you know, just like grab a handful, especially, you know, get something that you really like, like eat, uh, eating. Like, you know, we're going into this cool season. So you might want to look at all those different leafy greens and grab, a, you know, grab. They're very inexpensive. I'm going to say that too. And so like you want to rack up and just kind of store them, make sure you make sure that you store them in a cool, dry place. You know, um, um, I know that um, I uh, taught that sometimes a refrigerator is the best place. I have a crawl space where the temperature stays uniform all year round, very dry. And so I have a, a bunch of things saved up. And um, therefore I'm trying to make sure that my family, along with the knowledge that we have, that we have the ability to grow food in the time of trouble, okay? So can you talk to us about um, how important it is to grow with the seasons? And even if you're not going to grow it yourself, to, to go to the farmer's market and get things in your area, because we're in the mid-Atlantic, you're in the South, mm -hmm. to get things in your area that are local, because eating locally, I think somebody said within five, 50 mile radius, trying to eat those things is also good for your immune system. Yeah. So how important is the cycle, you know, like how important is the cycle in the zone? Because I tried to grow a lemon like last year because I didn't know. I just had <laughs> I just had a seed, put it in the water and it started to sprout, but then it died real quick. And then I'm like, I, you don't grow lemons inside the house in Virginia. Well, well no, not necessarily. Okay, check it out, right? You know, um, the scripture, we'll go back to the scripture that says there's a time and season for everything. And so, like, you know, um, we have, because we're not uh, agriculturally inclined like we used to be, uh, we've kind of lost track of what time it is, what season it is. Um, you know, um, it's very important if you're growing outside to know what season it is. Um, certain things just won't survive. Kale won't taste as good out in 90 degree weather. It just doesn't taste the same way. Matter of fact, kale can get frozen over and it just, it tastes better actually when it goes through that process. And so different, different plants have different needs and different um, um, uh, best situations for it to do, to have the optimum flavor and also to grow as best as it can. Um, you mentioned too about farmer's markets. I want to touch on that. Um, Get familiar with your farmer's markets. Who's growing what? Like you really begin to um, see what's going on by what people are growing, uh, what they're selling at the farmer's markets. You see what crops are like really like, oh, wow, they have a bunch of tomatoes right now. So this is that season where tomatoes are like um, are thriving, that, that, that harvest, that harvest period, and you are able to say like, okay, now I understand. You know, like you ever hear people say, I wouldn't buy a watermelon in December? because it's not that season for it. I don't know where this came from. Um, it might have came from uh, Central America somewhere, which is too far to be eating, um, you know. So you want to like stay local as much as you can. Um, I know that um, um, 
I don't buy. I look at when I'm when I'm in my um our, our DeKalb Farmers Market. Here they have the labels of where the food came from, and so like I don't buy anything like outside of like Tennessee, Alabama, you know, everything around me. I'm not I'm not going that far. I don't want anything. I don't need a apple from Washington State. Okay, I can this apple's growing here in Georgia, so um, I, I'm very aware of that. Um, you get the best taste the best quality it didn't, it didn't drive in a truck for what uh several days they didn't they didn't retard the growth with some type of chemical i'm getting stuff that was plucked off the tree and brought right to a farmer's market and i'm getting the best produce for me and my family right. okay it's so interesting because my aunts are in california and so when i go to california Sometimes I get lemons and avocados right out of their tree. And it amazes wow. me so much that I can just go and shake the tree and get these things. So the last time I was just there, just in January, I brought them back here with me. Mm. The lemon was the most lemoniest wow. lemon that I ever tasted. It was just so good. And the avocado was amazing. So, <laughs> you know, there when it becomes the season again, I've already put my bid into my Aunt Kathy. I'm like, please send me that because it the taste was amazing it, yeah. it had a whole entire different taste yeah that, so, yeah, that, that, that reminds me right my father who is really like a, um um i i dedicate what i'm doing to his work because he just was this this, this amazing outdoorsman in green thumb and so i've never seen so many peaches and, and um, crops um i remember like thinking that I had to go up into a peach tree to get the peach. He, he took a piece of um, a stick and waved it like this, and it just rained down peaches. And um, just amazing. And um, I did a lot of unsung heroes. Uh, my father wasn't the only person growing um, um, their favorite vegetables in their yard. He was just one. And so, like, you know, I just take off my hat to all of the people that had farms. And, um, we, you know, we kind of, like, moved away from it, but we're going to get it back. I think everything's going to be all right. We're going to have to uh, work and do a lot more. Um, there's plenty of learning to do, and but I think we're going to be all right. I think we're going to be all right. But go ahead. Dan. One thing for everybody to watch, and I told the class this, is Kamau Bell on CNN. He has the United Shades of America, and he mm. did a whole show on the black farmers and the plight and how they begin ripped from the USDA and how it's just really hard and how you know, the desire is to pass it along to the generations to the family and keep the farms in the family. So we are on this kick of support black business, buy from black farmers. If you can do that, that will go a long way if you don't have the time or even the interest in growing. Mm. Um, and so here in the Washington DC area in Tacoma, um, the Tacoma, Maryland area, my doctor, Dr. Uh, Nazirak Amen mm. is a farmer. And he has these, he has all types of stuff. If you follow him on Instagram, it's Dr. Farmer Brother. And he always shows, he and his family, it's a family situation where they're out there growing. So I always know when I do need to go to the farmer's market, I'm going to trek and make my way over there so that I can support him because I like what he's doing and I trust him and mm -hmm. I trust that I'll be getting really good things. And as and when I went for an appointment one time, they gave me this whole big old bag of like kale and Swiss chocolate and all types of stuff. They just gave it to me. And so wow. try to do that if you can. Yeah. Um, oh, hold up. Don't, don't jump past that. Now, listen, if you're not going to grow 
if you, it's important to know your farmer, okay? Um, one thing I'm going to stress, if you say, hey, you know, like, um, I'm not going to be able to do, um, I'm not going to be able to do this. I, I hear what you guys are saying. I'm not going to be able to do it. Know, know your farmer. Go to your farmer's markets. Um, join a CSA, if you can, um, Community Supported Agriculture Pro uh, uh, Project, where you can actually pick up produce. You, you, you actually pay in advance for it, and they will, every week, they're going to have a bag of groceries from you. I remember I joined one, and I had so much food. I had to, it was just too much. You know, way more than you can never get from the supermarket. Way, the price was, it was, to me, is invaluable. But um, CSA, know your farmer, um, visit your farmer's markets, um, check out what they're growing, and, um, get you know, just get in tune with what's happening. Uh-oh. Yeah. Trying to unmute because, you know, yeah. they're loud. Okay. So, can you tell us about just very high level the moon cycles, why it's important to pay attention to the moon yeah. and um, how to also do certain important things, even as small as manicuring yourself? Oh. Based on <laughs> that was a fun conversation. Okay, cool. Um, I do want to say this is that the moon, this is uh, one of those things, once again, that we've kind of lost track. We, we've lost this information and we're, we're getting it back though. But the moon is a regulator of growth on the planet Earth. It is the closest heavenly body to us, right? Um, 200, 290 something thousand miles away from the planet Earth. And therefore it has a strong gravitational pull on the planet. And depending on the alignment of the, the sun, the moon, and the earth, or the sun, the earth, and the moon, is going to have a, an effect. It's going to pull. And so what happens is that the moon pulls the moisture or the water on the planet Earth, causing things to be uh, to grow and stimulate, stimulate it um, differently than, than at different times of the lunar cycle. So during the full moon, when the moon is waxing full, when it's waxing full, maybe a week before it gets to that full moon phase, you know, um, this is a good time to cut hair, to plant certain crops, to um, even, like if you want something to grow, that's a good time to cut. Um, there's also a good time to um, put different conditioners in your hair, um, treat your hair, put different things on your face even. Um, it's just an optimum time to even take certain herbs. Um, your body um, receives it better. Uh, one thing I do want to say is this, with that same moon cycle, okay, Whenever you know there's a lot of rain coming, you can expect to see some floods because the moisture is being pulled up. So we just had a situation where there's um, these um, this, this severe weather went up the coast. And uh, I think the, the, let me see, the full moon was like the 5th or 5th or 6th of August. And we had a lot of flooding take place. And people, were, you know, they mentioned it in the news, but the average person does not, can't relate to that. Okay, and so therefore, a lot of different cities were flooded. And um, if you're aware of that, you'll know, you say, uh oh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm expecting some floods. So let me just chill out where I'm at and um, I'll stay put. But that's one thing about the moon, moon cycle there yeah, on Wendy. Well, it's so funny because I used to have locks and I was going to cut them. And then I looked at the cycles and then I was reading some information. And the person I was reading the information said, do not cut your hair until after June 25th. Now, this was May. I was itching to cut it, but <laughs> some point, I just did it. I say, if somebody says, don't cut your hair, something so specific, then I'm just not going to do it. 
And so <laughs> right after that, like a few days later, I cut it and now it's already growing. Like it, it <laughs> has grown so much. So I am working very hard and this is what I want to talk about next. Uh, and thank you, Sabrina, for correcting me. Is doctor, it's at Dr. Farmer Brother, all the way spelled out on Instagram for Dr. Amen here, who is the, uh, the farmer. Okay. But I want to talk about us being away from nature mm. and what we can do to start to tap ourselves back into nature. And I'll give you an example. So mm. grounding. Yes. Um, I've been grounding for many years, but I mm. absolutely know that I don't do it enough. Because wow. I'm in the building, I don't have my own plot of land around me. Um, and I know that they fertilize everything. And my mm -hmm. preference would be to be in grass that has not been fertilized to death, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Um, so can you talk to us about what grounding can do and maybe two tips for us to begin to tap back into our natural instincts as human beings as we are uh, working with the land and maybe starting to consider maybe planting our own food? Ooh, that's a loaded question right there. Um, I'll tell you, right, um, I was doing some research and um, the earth is a gigantic, how do I put this, it's a gigantic primal battery, right? And we're not connected to it. We're wearing rubbers, rubber sneakers. We're wearing um, leather on our feet. You know, we have different things that stop us, I want to say accidentally, they, they, they prevent us from tapping in to that, um, that, that, that source of power from the planet Earth. Um, the sun's rays, the, sun, the, the Earth absorbs all of this, um, this magnetic energy from the sun. Um, the molten core of the Earth is also um, adding um, um, electromagnetic uh, waves. Then on top of that, we have um, lightning bolts and thunder. And all these things, um, the Earth is absorbing all this energy. And so we need to tap back into it by touching the soil with our hands and also and also stepping on the ground, um, just going barefoot in soil, like walking on a beach, you know, like um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, there's no beach near me. So I, I, take, um, I take advantage of my, my front lawn, my backyard, a lot of times you'll see me walking, even, um, let me see, sand, um, soil, concrete even, concrete is also, yeah. Um, but they do say that, let me see, like wood is not a good, we're thinking about conductors of electricity now. And so like, um, so wood is not a good conductor. Rubber, of course, is in plastic. It's not um, vinyl. These are not good conductors of energy. So like, therefore, um, like um, I, I walk a lot outside of my house barefooted. I love doing it. My, my, my daughter runs, she does it all the time. And so like, but these things will stop the, um, what is it? The, the those positive um, charges, those free radical. Yeah. And so. Inflammation. It helps yes, the inflammation. Thank you. So, so electrical charge in the body that we've lost. Yes. So, boom. And so then, then also too, we live in a soup of a um, all kind of um, electromagnetic uh, uh, waves that are throwing um, throwing our bodies, uh, 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 electrical systems off whack. We have cell phones. We have microwaves. We have Wi-Fi. All this stuff. Five um, G networks. They're all bombarding us. And so, therefore, it really is really serious. We need to get back to touching the soil and being outside, be just being outside. Take a nature walk. Um, take your boots off and walk. You know, um, I mean, 
you know, I know the big cities, you're like, oh, I don't want to walk out there, but find somewhere where you can take off your shoes and just kind of just stand there, chill out, um, um, even sit on a, uh, um, a blanket, you know, like, but on the soil, directly on the soil. These things will um, help you. They'll recharge your battery, reboot your system so that you can have a healthier, a healthier lifestyle. Absolutely. I love that. And even for myself, like I have a shungite stone that I keep because I'm mm. surrounded in here by Wi-Fi and all that. I used to have a necklace that broke, but I try to keep myself. I turn the Wi-Fi off at night because all those things affect your hormones. They're hormone disruptors. And yes. so it is the first time in history that any of this stuff has ever been impacted, this impactful on the human on the world, on you yeah. know, living organisms. Yeah. So it's definitely something that we have to pay attention to if you yeah. haven't already. Um, and what I did want to share is that, you know, you were teaching us to learn about our local area, learn mm. about the farmers, learn about the seed people, who has the manure and who has all these things. But what I also learned during my um, research is that I learned about the African-American history of my town. Ah. Northern Virginia town. And there is a, an amazing history that I had no clue about. I have never heard of these names. They're not named schools. They're not named streets. But there was a family that came here from, you know, that was here in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, and um, in the Alexandria, Arlington area. And a woman was the first, a black woman was the first landowner in this whole area. Her husband was still enslaved and she, he worked with her to create and to tend the land. She bought his freedom and then they created their family and then they started to branch out and more people came in to join them. So they were farmers and gardeners here in the Alexandria Arlington area and I'd never heard that story so it so I got to that because I was trying to figure out what can I grow at this specific time mm -hmm. and somehow it led me to this somebody has created a whole website to document these things and I think that that's really important that if they could do it back then and all these technologies we have now and that you know to respect their hustle and then to create our own hustle and to know that we can, you know, be as self-reliant as we can. Yes. I think that we learned from this pandemic that we rely so much on other people and mm. systems for so many things. And I think this is the wake up call. If you are interested in heeding it, some people not, and that's okay. Uh -huh. but for those who are interested, mm. There are things you can be doing to prepare yourself and your family yeah. to be successful moving forward. Because if our ancestors who were kidnapped from their home can mm -hmm. do it, we could do it here in 2020 with it, with the internet. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the history. Um, what my father inspired me to write these books called Let's Grow. Okay, because. There was too many unsung heroes. See, because when we when people think about like um, agriculture and black people, we think about slavery, sharecropping, and oh, I don't want to do that anymore. We did that already. I, mean, I don't want to hear about that, you know. And um, even even um, when we hear about like different, uh, we hear like George Washington Carver, we you know ah, the peanut and all that, and we really don't understand um, what they did and. Um, the, 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 the innovations they 
they, they, they created in the food industry. We were, we were the innovators. We were the inventors. All kinds of systems and processes we put in place. And so, like, you know, um, I, I want to talk about George Washington Carver for a second because, you know, um, one of the reasons he's known as the father of what they call chemergy. Chemergy is what they call biochemical engineering today. So he would take raw food material and, and use it for other uses. So that's why he began to um, find all these different uses for the peanut. He was looking to help his fellow men. He's just like, okay, um, there's a, the, the, the boll weevil had decimated these cotton crops. What are we gonna grow now? Um, there, were, there was a war about to happen in um, Europe. You know, we had the World War II, excuse me, World War I and World War II different things that we used to rely on from Europe, like dyes and different things, we couldn't get those. So he began to make dyes from different plants. So this is what he began to do. And so like, this is why he was so great. It wasn't just because of that peanut thing, it was because his mind was so, 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 so wide and he was able to use what he had to create what we needed. And that's what we're gonna go through during this time right here. We're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves, and get busy. And this is what we're gonna to have to do. And yes, we're gonna survive. We have the internet, we have each other. And I think we have um, superhuman ability and will to do this. We will be successful. Yes, we will be successful. I love that attitude. And you know, it's one of those things, we are the innovators. Our ancestors were the innovators of everything. Everything, so everything. I'm thinking, you know, I know that my maternal lineage is from the Temne people of Sierra Leone. But I also know the Sierra Leoneans were brought to South Carolina, Gullah Geechee, and around that area because they were the pros at harvesting rice. Yes. So they, you know, they were taken away for their brilliance. Yes. So passed down through our DNA. We still have it. It's now it's the time to tap into it. And I know a lot of people, you know, because I was this same way. I'm learning and evolving too. I grew up on the beach. I grew, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a Jersey Shore kid. I grew up <laughs> on the beach and um, going camping. I've camped my entire life until wow. I had a choice. <laughs> mm. And so I didn't respect the land. Yes. I just didn't because it was just always there. I grew up on a, my grand, my, my mother's house that she still owns right now is an acre and a half. Wow. My grandparents had 13 plus acres. So I grew up with land. I grew up with all these things and I think I took it for granted. Yeah. Moving forward now, I'm realizing that these are beautiful resources. However, I am nature too. Mm. So I'm not necessarily going into nature or going to explore nature. I am becoming one with nature. I'm just being myself. We are wow. all, we are nature. We're electrical beings. We have yeah. all the same kind of components that a lot of the um, things in the, in the, you know, in the water and in the sand and in the trees and in the forest. That's us. It's all, we're all one. We're all one. So I have been trying, not trying, I have been reacclimating myself yeah. to myself as a natural being and going out into the forest and doing my grounding and sitting outside with the trees. And I have my one little tree that I go talk to. The roots are so strong. I put my feet on the roots and we just have a conversation. And all those things are like in the last few years for me because I didn't respect it before. So I think it's important that we go back to respecting ourselves and ourselves as a part of nature. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and one of our, you know, something getting back to, um, I, lo I love that. I love that um, going back into yourself, reconnecting yourself back into nature. That's one of our, um, what's the word, our responsibilities. We are supposed to be keepers of this garden called the earth. And so therefore we, 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 we got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We, um, we got kind of seduced away from what our true nature is. And, you know, like I remember work, I worked in a cubicle overnight, you know, like just way out of my uh, um, circadian or the rhythm of, of my life. It just, just messes you all up. And that goes back into it too. Um, I heard a sister say that um, growing up in, uh, what is it? Um, I think Belize, she said, when the sun went down, everybody went to sleep. But so like, so like, so we just keep on working. We worked at three or four in the morning. You know, um, it's just like, you know, like we got all this electricity and stuff. And it really has thrown our whole body off whack. We're tired. We're walking around like zombies. We're taking different things to keep us awake and alert. And like, we got to get back into the true cycle of our lives and what, we're, what we were meant to do on this planet. And I love the fact that you said we are electrical beings. We're absolutely beings of light. And so like, you know, um, getting reconnected back to the earth will only recharge us. Uh, the food that we grow will definitely like give us the energy that we need. And uh, we, we will get back. I'm, I'm very uh, positive that we will survive. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna thrive during this time. I think that something's gonna be unleashed because of this, um, because of the situation that um, is gonna have a, a, a silver lining, just a great silver lining. And I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm excited. Um, I like this, um, I like the situation. And um, I think that, um, I think, you know, we have to find like minds and work together too. One thing I'll say about this, about growing food is that you're gonna grow so much. One thing I find is I have so much uh, uh, vegetables that I have to share them with my neighbors. And they're like, you know, you just have to give it away because otherwise it'll spoil, you know, whatever, but you just share and that develops community. And so that's one thing that we need to do too is just make sure that we're looking out for our fellow men. Um, going back to my father, one thing that he made sure, we said we had to um, check on our neighbors. That was a big thing for him. Go look at the elders, knock on his door, make sure he's all right. Um, make sure he shovel off his walkway. And, um, and I think that we've kind of lost touch with that, you know, um, and we have to be concerned about each other's well-being, especially during this time especially during this time. Um, and that's part of our culture also. Absolutely. Okay. I agree. I agree. And I think that's a great place to end it. Okay. Um, that, you know, we have to stay to connected. Yes. We have to get reconnected. We have connect, disconnected ourselves with all the modern yes. uh, accoutrement that we have now, but really that's not human. And I think that, you know, during this time, it's time to tap back into our humanness and understand what that means and understanding that we are nature. So getting out into nature, doing some grounding barefoot on the ground. I know you don't like to get your toes dirty because you just got your manicure, pedicure. <laughs> but, you know, hey, it'll wipe some inflammation out your body. Yes. So how can people reach you? Because I know you have some classes coming up. I loved the class. I learned so much. So now I'm in the actionable phases where I learned it. Now it's time for me to get to it. How can people, you know, connect with you and take your classes that you have coming up? Okay. Um, I have a page. My publishing company, which I do everything through, is called Hidden History Publishers. That's on Facebook. Um, we we uh, post our classes on that, on, that, um, on that Facebook page. Also, too, 
my can I give out my phone number? Is that all right? Absolutely, whatever you like. Whatever I like. Okay, my my phone number is 404-437-9750. You can uh, text me or call me and say like, hey, right, what's the next class? Um, if you go to Eventbrite and um, search Eventbrite for Hidden History Publishers, you will see our classes listed. Um, our next class is uh, August, starting August 19th. Um, it's very, very inexpensive. Um, I'm dealing with somebody right, um, I, I will say like this, jump into the class now because the, probably the next set is going to be a little bit more than what it is now, okay? But um, go ahead and jump it on Eventbrite and search Hidden History Publishers. There you can also find my books, Let's Grow. I know that's probably backwards on your screen, is it not? Can you read that? Okay, so Let's Grow is also on Hidden History Publishers along with some of my other um, uh, products. Um, but What's that's how you... What's your email? My email is um, let's grow course. Um, that's one big word. Let's grow course uh, at gmail.com. And you can um, text me there. If you have any questions about like um, what's going on in your garden, I like all, you know, stay, stay um, connected and like send me pictures, like send me your successes. Send me your like, you know, oh my goodness, what's going on with my plant? Send that to me so we can like talk about it. Maybe if I don't know, I'll definitely connect you with somebody that does. Okay. And um, I, you know, that's that's basically it. Let me see. My number one more time is okay, four. I'm going to put it in the chat while you're saying it. So 404. 404. 407-9750. Okay. 404-437-9750. Yes. That's it. Okay. And so I am writing it in the chat. So anybody who wants to connect with you, I, you know, I, I, you guys who have watched my show, or even if you haven't, if you're watching it later on YouTube, or if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud, I don't really bring people on that I don't know, that I don't have my own experience with. And I learned so much in the class and I was already interested in doing it. So it, I just attracted him. He was on another event. He was teaching a class through Sankofa Homeschool. Yeah. I was going to take the class with my daughter. She said, Mommy, you know I'm not interested in this. This is you. <laughs> so I went into the adult class. And so now I had a good time and I learned a lot. And so now I'm going to put it into practice. So again, Uriah, I, what I love most is that you are so excited about it. Like your energy always comes through. You know, you answer all the questions. You stay late on the call when we're having our class. Yeah. You called me. You looked at my balcony and you suggested some things that I'm going to be putting into place now. So I think this is a good place for people to start. So thank yes. you very much for this. Thank you. Listen, thank you, Wendy. Um, and um, anytime, like I'm, I'm going to send you some other people I think that you also be interested in. We talked about that land and I got a, I got a good contact for you about that. Um, okay. Preserving that family farm, getting your yeah. own farm if that's something you're into. So um, listen, Thank you very much. I'm not, how much time do we have left? I think we got like five minutes or whatever. Yeah, if you'd like. No, no, I'm good. Um, okay, I'm I good. I, I, we can end it right here. I just want to, unless anybody has any questions, I put your email in. Okay, the Facebook page is Hidden History, History. Publishers. Yeah. So I have tagged it, LaTonda, down at the bottom. So <laughs> my friend LaTonda is saying thank you for the amazing information. And we got a few hearts and a few thumbs up on the information. So thank you so much. Excellent. And um, 
you know, come back and watch this. For those of you who really got some information, share it. That's the that's a great way to, yeah. you know, for currency is yes. to share, to share and to cycle it so that other people can get it. Other people can be interested in it. So like we will that. end there. Thank you so much, Uriah, for your time. And we will definitely be keeping in touch. Okay. Thank you, Wendy. Peace. All right. Peace.